0: So today, we're going to continue on the the theme of the cross as we journey through that. We're going to do that today as well as through, of course, Easter. I'll bring a short message on that as far as uh, the cross. And then one extra day after Easter, we'll touch on this series as well. But today, uh, as you see in your bulletin, I want to be able to speak about freedom and freedom through the cross that we have. Now, Freedom is an interesting concept, isn't it? Freedom is an interesting concept. In the terms of uh, uh, the sports a- uh, arena, volleyball, there's a position that's uh, played. It's, it's called either uh, libero or libro, I, however you want to pronounce it. I've heard it both ways. Um, and Maddie played that position at North Clackamas Christian. Basically, that position is free to come in and out of the, the game and not have to officially substitute. They still have to come in for somebody, but they just don't officially the game doesn't stop and so they continue on. So they're free to be able to do that, which means you know of course their their name. And then in football, there's a position called a free safety. and that safety is on defense and basically he's the defensive quarterback. You've heard of a quarterback, but a defensive quarterback, they kind of lead the defense. and they are free to to double cover anyone. Uh, as they play, and so they're free to roam wherever and make sure things get taken care of in defense. Uh, freedom. Freedom to do things. Freedom to be able to get up and, 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 and uh, try to find something uh, to color on, like Ricky, or free to be able to do whatever you want to do. There's freedom in life at times. Um, there's a quote I came across, and you probably uh, are familiar with it too. It's, freedom is the oxygen of the soul. Freedom is the oxygen of the soul. Really, if you don't feel free, it kind of stifles you. Peter Marshall, a, uh, a pastor and, and evangelist from uh, the early 1900s, uh, he, said, he thought, said about this, about freedom. He said, may, may we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. I believe he's got that nailed. Uh, sometimes we uh, claim our freedom. We go, okay, I can do whatever I want now because I'm free. That's really not the case. Of course you can, but there are consequences to your actions. So what is freedom? I, I looked up the word, definition of it, and it says the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. No, oh. <laughs> Let me read that again, just in light of all these uh, times that we've had in the last 12 months. The power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Hmm, (laughs) interesting. What are we free to do? What are we free to do? You know what? We are pretty much free to do anything. We can do whatever we want. But there are consequences to our actions. We can can yell fire in a crowded room. That has consequences, pretty negative ones. We we can walk into a public place without a mask on. And these days, those have some pretty negative consequences too. But life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, these are things that help us be free. And we can do those things as well. What, What are some other things that that we can do that are free in life. Have you ever looked this up? I looked it up and I considered it as well too. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is, this is true. Some things that are really free in life. Smiles, smiles are free. Hugs are somewhat free. <laughs> Watch out who you might be hugging, I guess. Friends and family are free. Sleep, it kind of can be free. It's laughter, laughter can be free. Happy memories and of course, love. All of these things can be free, and we don't don't have to worry about it. It, it, is, too, it is for us, freely for us. And what are some things that, that can make us free? Well, let me give you an example, something that can make us free. I was, in, I was doing yard work on one of the sunny days this week. And it wasn't Saturday, but it was, a, it was sunny days this week. And I was in the backyard uh, still trying to take care of the branches that have come down. And I, I can only do so much because our only little brown container can only take so much and set it out of the curb. And so I've been working at that. And when I was done with that, I noticed some weeds. I was going, oh, and the sun was bright. I'm thinking, man, these things are going to take off if I don't pull them now. So I went at it and started pulling them. And then I noticed something about these weeds. And I've seen these weeds before. But I realized what kind of weeds they were. They're the kind of weeds, I don't know if you've run run into these before. I've run into them when they are ripe and they they are ready to go. These kind of uh, weeds... Have a seed in them that when you touch the ends of it, they explode. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't. Believe. When I first encountered those, <laughs> I touched one. It's like I thought. Oh, I thought bugs were all over me, and I was. Ah. But I looked at it closely, and there's seeds. So when you grab the ends of the tips of them, they just they just explode seed everywhere. Well, those weeds that I decided to pull on uh, uh, this this last week, they hadn't gotten to that point yet. I was like, yes. <laughs> I'm going to be free of all these weeds that could have happened with these little seeds exploding everywhere. And so I was able to do that. And so I felt free. <laughs> I felt free in, in, in doing that action. But there are some things in life that uh, uh, can can make us free. I, I want to give you a, real, a little quiz here for you. And it's not anything tough. You didn't have to study for it. It's a yes and no uh, answer on them. And what you can do is... Uh, Maybe on your bulletin or whatever you want, somewhere you can mark it down, a Y or an N for no, Y for yes, on these questions. I came across an article, and uh, it says, 15 signs you are, uh, you are a truly free person. Are you truly free? And here's a little quiz you can take to see if you are truly free. Uh, they say 15. I'm only going to give you about uh, half of them because we, we don't need to go through all of them there. But uh, uh, see how you can answer these yes or no questions that speak of the traits of a truly free person, according to this article. So first question, do you dread nothing? Do you dread nothing, yes or no? It's hard to feel free, the article says, when you wake up every morning and a wave of dread washes over you. Dread about having to go to work, dread about certain troubled relationships. Free people rarely experience this feeling. They either eliminate what doesn't suit them or they change their perspective about it. Do you dread nothing? Another question for you. Do you make your own decisions? Yes or no. Do you make your own decisions? If you feel restricted, the article tells me, here from making the decisions you want, it's especially difficult to feel free. A free person will ignore negative judgment from others because they know what's best for themselves. They also avoid handing too much Power over to people with overbearing and forceful personalities. Free people don't give in to peer pressure and meaningless obligations that don't benefit them. Do you make your own decisions? Yes or no? Another question in this uh, uh, whole thing is, uh, are you financially comfortable? Are you financially comfortable? Yes or no? This isn't based on the amount of money you earn. Rather, it is dictated by your feelings toward money. Free people may live on very low salaries or very high salaries. Regardless of their actual income, they afford what they need and feel stable instead of constantly stressed. A free person will not feel the need to overspend in order to reach fulfillment. So are you financially comfortable? Another question. Do you ask for help from others? Do you ask for help from others? Yes or no? The article says it may seem counterintuitive, But true freedom usually involves help from others. Truly free people will ask for advice in order to better themselves or ask for direct assistance without feeling embarrassed. They recognize that refusing help from others is a personally imposed restriction to their freedom. Essentially, free people are not governed by pride. (laughs) So, do you ask for help from others, yes or no? And then, do you have... Free time. Do you have free time? Yes or no. The article says, obviously, true freedom involves some free time. Even if your schedule is packed, it can be packed with things you decided and wanted to do. This can also be considered free time because you are living as you intended to live. A free person will divvy up their time into work and play without overindulging in either. So, do you have free time? And then... Uh, three more questions are you physically healthy are you physically healthy a truly free person won't find themselves surrounded by prescription pills medical bills and junk food (laughs) a free person will take their health into their own hands and improve their bodies the best they can when a health problem arises they won't allow negative addictions to creep in and hold their health hostage so are you physically healthy Yes or no? And then, do you laugh? Do you? know if Ellen was here, she'd... Yeah, she does. She does laugh. Do you laugh? Yes or no? And uh, why? why is laughing an important thing? Because it's your primary right to enjoy yourself and your life. Someone who doesn't laugh is missing out on the simplest and most basic form of freedom. A truly free person will take time out for laughter because... They know they deserve it. <laughs> and then finally, do you let others hold you back? Do you let others hold you back, yes or no? Freedom involves healthy boundaries between you and others. The opposite of this is codependency, which causes people to rely excessively on others for their self-worth. True free, truly free people don't derive their self-worth from external people or events, They judge themselves according to their own reasonable standards and stay on track with their goals regardless of the behavior of others. So those are some questions. And if you answered yes to a lot of them, most of them, you're probably a pretty free person. If you said no to a lot of them, you might want to evaluate how free you truly are. But the thing is about this is that they haven't added one thing. I, I... I missed something here when I read this article as far as I couldn't find one thing that should be in here. And so I've added it on here. And that is, do you have a saving relationship with Jesus? (laughs) Because if you do, (laughs) then yes, you are truly free. Those who live by the power of the cross know the freedom through the cross. And I believe that is so true, especially during days... Where we feel like the world is pressing in on us and we have no place to go, we have that relationship with Jesus that reminds us of how free we are, the, the promise we have of heaven, the the promise we have of Him always being with us, no matter what we go through. And so those who live by the power of the cross know the freedom through the cross. Galatians chapter three verses thirteen, as well as verse twenty two. of both of those verses let me read those two uses but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ so we have that freedom the relationship with Jesus allows that to happen so Jesus promises me freedom through the cross there are three words in the New Testament that are used to describe freedom for which Christ has set us free. And a uh, pastor, Gordon Watt, uh, wrote in an article many years, almost a hundred years ago, in the Christian magazine. And he listed these three words in the New Testament that are used to describe freedom for which Christ has set us free. One word is, is a word for forgiveness, which refers to God's pardon That's found in Romans 5, verse 15. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So it describes a freedom there. A second word in the New Testament that describes freedom is a word often translated authority, which refers to the privilege and authority purchased by the Lord Jesus through the precious blood for our freedom. And Second Corinthians chapter two verse ten says, "When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit." Paul was addressing the Corinthians there, and he was stating that. So the authority describes a freedom in our life. And then a third word that helps us see freedom here is a word that pictures one who was formerly in prison but has now been liberated. And 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 22 says, and remember, and Paul's speaking here, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. So it formerly imprisoned by sin, free in Christ. John Piper, uh, author and uh, uh, pastor as well, says that uh, we are truly free when Three things come together. He says, you are truly free when you have the desire, the ability, and the opportunity to do what will leave you with no regrets forever. So the the desire, the ability, and the opportunity. He says, if you don't have the desire to do a thing, you you are not fully free to do it. If you don't have the desire to do a thing, uh, uh, then you might as well just stop right there. He says, Oh, you may muster the willpower to do what you don't want to do, but nobody calls that full freedom. And he goes on to say, If you have the desire to do something, but no ability to do it, you are not free to do it. And if you have the desire and the ability to do something, but no opportunity to do it, you are not free to do it. And if you have the desire to do something and the ability to do it and the opportunity to do it, but it destroys you in the end, you are not fully free not free indeed. And so as we follow the cross, follow Jesus and realize through that is true freedom. Through that is where we can find uh, freedom in in life and uh, uh, as we follow Christ that way. So to discover freedom, we must realize and admit our slavery. We must realize and admit our slavery because if there's, there's no sense of being enslaved, if there's no sense of being enslaved, we don't have that sense that we are imprisoned or whatever, then there's no felt need to be freed. <laughs> we don't, why should we, we, we be free from something we don't think we're being enslaved by? So we need to realize and admit our slavery. First of all, we need to uh, understand that the cross gives, uh, gave me the power to be set free from the power of the enemy cross gives us the power to set us free from the power of the enemy in Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 it says for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins now the Colossians feared uh, the unseen forces of darkness but Paul says that true believers have been transferred from darkness to light from slavery to to freedom from the guilt to forgiveness and from the power of satan to the power of god we have been rescued from a a rebel kingdom to serve the rightful king the thing is our conduct should reflect our new allegiance we should be acting out what we believe in this in our in our allegiance with christ so the cross gives gives us the power to be set free from the power of the enemy Also, too, the cross brings the power of God to our life. The cross brings the power of God to our life. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus had to become human so that he could die and rise again in order to destroy the devil's power over death. Only then could Christ deliver those who had lived in constant fear of death and free them to live for him. When we belong to God, we don't need to fear death because we know that death is only the doorway into eternal life. And the thing is, we might wonder how it's going to happen and we might wonder, you know, Those things. But we don't have to fear the result of death. Christ's death and resurrection set us free from that fear because death has been defeated. Every person must die. We're all going to come to that point. We are all going to uh, have our life end. But death is not the end of that, instead, it is the doorway to that new life. All who dread death should have the opportunity to know the hope that Christ, Christ's victory brings. And we need to express that to people around us. Because you probably have many people in your life that you can look at and say, they are a little fearful about what's going to happen of the unknown of death. And what's going to happen, what, what is after that. And some people think, well, after death, it's just nothing. I'm, I'm done. But they need to realize, no, there's something after death. <laughs> and where is it that you're going to spend eternity? <laughs> and that's the key question. And the question for us is how can how can we share this truth with those close to us? How can we do that? And I believe that as we give ourselves to the Lord in that way and saying, whatever you want to do through me to reach my children, to reach my, my, my aunt and uncle, to reach my co-worker, to reach my neighbor, whatever you want to do through me, Lord, do it. And I trust that you'll give me the words to say. And as you pray that prayer and be able to be willing to be used by him, you'll have those opportunities to be able to share the truth to those around you. Uh, the cross also brings freedom when we admit our need. The cross brings freedom when we admit our need. Over in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses two, 2 and also 4 and 5, it says, for I resolved, and this again is Paul speaking, he says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So the cross brings us freedom when we admit our need. Paul was admitting his need, the Holy Spirit's work in his life and using him, speaking through him to reach people. He wasn't relying upon himself. He was admitting his need and his reliance upon God's power. And Paul's confidence was not in his strong uh, intellect uh, or speaking ability, but in his knowledge that the Holy Spirit was helping and guiding him. You know what? That means we're we're without excuse (laughs) in, in sharing the good news with those around us. It doesn't matter if we can say it eloquently or not. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and be able to help you share that, whatever it is, How, whoever it is, and however you want to sh- he wants you to share it. But when Paul came to Corinth, it was kind of, it was from a, basically a poor showing in Athens. If you read through in, in Acts chapter 17, he addressed the Greek philosoph- philosophers there, but he won very few converts. It was really, it was really dry. I wonder what was going on there. And, and he, he, uh, he came from there then, from that experience, to the experience then coming then to Corinth. And it, he, uh, this experience plus his conviction that only the plain gospel is the power of God, led Paul then to minister in Corinth in fear and trembling, relying upon the Lord, relying upon God's power. And these verses simply describe a, a spirit of dependence and, and submission to God's authority, which marked Paul's uh, Paul's ministry it was also true that uh, his way of preaching was unimpressive from a human point of view i mean if you had him come visit a church he would be very unassuming he wouldn't be your uh, boisterous preacher and and outgoing preacher he would just stand there and deliver it to you and what it was in the holy spirit just took hold and uh, took it from there paul readily he admitted uh, uh, this uh, this lack of being impressive and all that even he even used it as a point in his argument. His preaching was not marked by that eloquence of persuasive words which was characterized by the, the traveling teachers of the day as we went around. They were pretty impressive in how they were able to teach Paul couldn't keep up with that, but it was instead the, the you know the straightforward message of a crucified Christ as the only means of salvation, and when he presented that message. Man, people people heard and listened, and the Holy Spirit used that in such a way. Faith was uh, then persuaded by a demonstration of the Spirit's power and was not a product of, of, of human skill or these fancy words. Paul wanted to be sure their faith would not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So in sharing the good news with others, we should follow Paul's example and keep our message simple and basic. Simple, what has God done for you and how can that work in a person's life? Pretty simple, pretty basic. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to, uh, to, power to our words and, and use them to bring glory to Jesus as we make ourselves available to do that. Another thing that the cross brings is the cross brings freedom when I am faithful to Christ's teaching. The cross brings freedom when I am faithful to Christ's teaching. In John chapter 8, Verses 31 through 36. It says to the Jews, I had believed uh, to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So Jesus himself is the truth that sets us free. He is the the source of truth, the the perfect standard of what is right. He frees us from the consequences of sin, from self-deception, from the deception of Satan as well. He shows us clearly the way to eternal life with God. So, Jesus doesn't give us freedom to do what we want. As Peter Marshall told us about freedom, but freedom basically to follow God. And as we look to serve God, Jesus' perfect truth frees us to be all that God meant us to be. The true freedom is to experience and to put into practice Jesus' teachings, to know right. Uh, to know right but to do wrong as the Pharisees had done is to to, to live in slavery to sin. But to practice Jesus' teachings is to experience a truth that brings total freedom. Sin has a way, though, of enslaving us, doesn't it? To control us, to dominate us, to dictating our actions. Jesus can free you from this slavery, free you from the slavery that keeps you from becoming the person God created you to be if sin is is restraining you or mastering you or enslaving you Jesus can break that power over your life so discovering freedom now once we've discovered freedom how do we walk in that freedom we need to walk in that freedom by having our old self die <laughs> our old self must die in galatians chapter 2 verse 20 uh, one of the favorite verses of mine it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This freedom that we have is a freedom that means that we need to die to our old self. Uh, a, uh, the Bible Knowledge Commentary, uh, Do- Dr. Donald K. Campbell. It has a helpful explanation of this verse that I want to read to you, and hopefully it will give us some insight in it as well. He said in Galatians chapter 2, 20, uh, 2, verse 20, Paul enlarged on the meaning of verse 19. He died to the law because he, Paul, was crucified with Christ. He was able to live for God because Christ lived in him. Basic to an understanding of this verse is the meaning of union with Christ. This this doctrine is based on such passages as Romans chapter 6 and, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which explain that believers have been baptized by the Holy Spirit and into Christ and into the church, the body of all true believers. So having been thus united to Christ, believers share in his death, in his burial, and resurrection. Paul could therefore write, I have been crucified with Christ, or basically, I have been and am now crucified with Christ. This brought death to the law. It also brought a change to, in regard to one's self. And I no longer live. And he, the, uh, Dr. Campbell goes on to write, he says, the self-righteous, the self-centered Saul died. Further, death with Christ ended Paul's enthronement of self. He yielded the throne of his life to another, to Christ. But it was not in his own strength that Paul was able to live the Christian life. The living Christ himself took up his abode in Paul's heart. Christ lives in me. Yet Christ does not operate automatically in a believer's life. It is a matter of living the new life by faith in the Son of God. So it is then faith and not works or legal obedience that releases divine power to live a Christian life. I think Dr. Campbell again has that right as well too. What what an incredible, wonderful affirmation how we... uh, uh, how we uh, have here of the, the core of the gospel it is by faith from first to last <laughs> is for faith uh, and, and, and it releases the power of, of god to be at work within our personalities to express jesus through our lives we allow him to do that and galatians 2 20 speaks of that as well so what are some things we need to die to what are some things we need to die to? Well, first, I think we, we must die to the opinion of others. <laughs> we must die to the opinion of others. Galatians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13 says, Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. So some of the Judaizers were emphasizing circumcision as a proof of holiness. But they were ignoring other Jewish laws. (laughs) People often choose a certain principle uh, and make it the measure of faith. If you're not following that principle, well, I guess you're not a very faithful person then. Some may detest drunkenness, but ignore gluttony. Others may despise promiscuity, but tolerate prejudice. The Bible in its entirety is our rule of faith and practice. We can't pick and choose the commands we will follow. They're all there for us to follow obediently. Some people have some strong convictions on things. And we need to die to the opinions of others, or we will go crazy trying to follow all the directions people are pointing us in. Follow the direction that God is pointing you to in His Word. Follow that. We must die to the opinion of others. We also, too, must die to the idea that we can get to heaven by our good works or being good enough. It, I think there's a little bit of that in all of us. You know, how can we do a little bit better, You know, do some good in a person's life? and Why do we do that? Why are we doing those things? And we've got to ask ourselves that. What's our intention when we do that? Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, again following this, this portion of Scripture. Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The contrast is pretty vivid here. As Paul declared his boasting to be in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. For those Judaizers, the cross was an object of, of shame. For Paul, it was the object of glorying. <laughs> they would gloried in the flesh, those Judaizers, but Paul gloried in the Savior. Pretty contrast there. We need to come to realize that there's not enough good we can do to get us through those pearly gates of heaven. We can't. And we do the good in people's lives. It should be a thankfulness of what God has done for us. It's a reaction to what we already have. The only way is through the work Jesus did at the cross. That's our object of boasting, boasting in the cross. Another thing, uh, third thing we, we must die to is we must die to this world's interest in us. The world can flatter us, right? And go, oh, wow, we need you in this. And wow, you can do these things. Paul, again, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, that last part of 14, says, through which, and he said, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There's nothing there anymore. <laughs> The world is full of enticements, full of enticements. Daily we are confronted with subtle cultural pressures and those overt propagandas, right? The world just wants to reach into us and bring us in. The only way to escape these destructive influences is to ask God to help crucify our interest in them, just as Paul did. So a question I guess we need to ask ourselves is how much do the interests of this world matter to you? How much do the interests of this world matter to you? And then finally, uh, we must be able to see our full need for dependence on the cross. We we need to totally depend on the cross. The closer we get to the cross, there's kind of an interesting thing about this. The closer we get to the cross, the more we see our unworthiness. A lot, of us, we don't, a lot of us, we don't want to see that. We don't want to see how unworthy we are. But as we come closer to the cross, that's what we see. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 19 says, Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 17, Paul spelled out in detail to the church in Ephesus the, the Christian's equipment for spiritual warfare. He gave a whole list of things in that, how you should put on that spiritual armor. But here in this verse of 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 1, verse 19, he listed only two items, faith and a good conscience. That's all he has there, faith and a good conscience. These two always seem to travel together. Strength in the one is always combined with strength in the other. Failure in the one means failure in the other. So some who have rejected, or what that the word there in the Greek means is to, to deliberately thrust away. Kind of you can picture if you're, you know, you're trying to rescue somebody who's drowning. And when you do that, they start climbing and grabbing onto you you're supposed to kick and thrust away from them or they'll bring you down too with them. It's just a safety thing. So here, as the Greek word says, some who have rejected, it's a deliberate thrusting away from that. And when they've done that, uh, they they have rejected a a good conscience. They've also found their faith destroyed or shipwrecked. Theological error is often rooted in moral failure. We need to keep that in mind. So how can you keep your conscience clear? How can you have that good conscience? Treasure your faith in Christ more than anything else and do what you know is right. (laughs) Pretty simple. Pretty simple, but maybe not that, that easy to do. Each time you deliberately ignore your conscience, you are hardening your heart. Over a period of time, your capacity to tell right from wrong will diminish. As you walk with God, he will speak to you through your conscience, letting you know the difference between right and wrong. And be sure to act on those inner inner tugs, inner tugs from the Holy Spirit so that you do what is right when your conscience will remain clear. Do what's right as he prompts you to do. Otherwise that uh, that good conscience can come to become a hardened conscience and then a hardened conscience become a seared conscience. And then we're down the road where you don't want to end up at all. So what will freedom of the cross bring us? Let me finish with these, these last few things. What will freedom of the cross bring us? In, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, I think have, have the complete outline for this as far as what will freedom of the cross bring us. Uh, let me read those verses to you in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. You've heard this before because I've used these verses already in this series. and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. So what will free, freedom will bring a heart to serve. Freedom will bring a heart to serve. There's no concern who will get recognition. There's no concern who will get the accolades. We just serve. Freedom will bring a heart to serve. Freedom will also bring a, a humility that only desire for Christ to be seen in me. That's all. We just want Christ to be seen in us, right? It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Our lives should be that that reflection of Christ. In our actions, in our attitudes, in our thoughts, Christ should be reflected. Freedom will bring a humility, that only desire for Christ to be seen in me. And freedom will bring a hunger to be obedient. When you're free, you want to be able to obey what is, is before you then. And then freedom will bring a full surrender to the will and desire of God. There's nothing more, there's nothing less than God's will in our life. Listen to these these verses that I want to share with you in closing. I'm going to have Annie come on up and she's going to lead us in one last song. These uh, two verses, I believe, can kind of encapsulate things and kind of, I guess, send us off and be ready to... uh, Find that freedom through the cross in Romans chapter 6 verse 6 Says we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin I hope you hear that As your relationship with Christ you now are no longer slaves to sin And then in John chapter 8 verse 36 familiar verse I, I i trust you'll hear it so we're no longer sin no, no longer slaves to sin so if the sun sets you free <laughs> you are truly free keep that in mind as you go through these days ahead find the freedom through the cross and be able to just cling to that and 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 stay close to that jesus is there he will lead and guide and direct you in that freedom as well. If the sun sets you free, you are truly free.